Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, I I thank you for this gathering of people here this morning. I I thank you, God, that through worship we, we have become aware of your presence. The Holy Spirit, you're the real teacher here this morning. Without your guidance, without your speaking to us, nothing of value will be accomplished. I release you, Holy Spirit, to do what only you can do, and that is to make this word spirit and life to us. Voice Scouts will tell you, you need to be prepared. There's a story of a 14-year-old girl who had become ill with cancer and it was rapidly spreading through her body and it was all just a matter of time until it was over. And in the waning days of her life, as she sat in the hospital room, she called for her parents to come and She wanted to speak to them, and in that conversation with them, she said, I I need to tell you something. I love and appreciate all that you've done for me in my life, all the things that you've taught me, those things that you've helped me with. Mom, I thank you for helping me to cook in the kitchen, and Dad, I, I thank you for teaching me how to stand up to bullies at school. I appreciate you holding my feet to the fire when it came to doing my homework, but I have one question. Why did you never teach me how to die? I'm about to face eternity and I have no idea what I'm getting into. Two worst days of your life. Days that have the potential to ruin your life. And the reality is all of us in this room have one of them. Most of us We'll have both of them. I'm going to tell you how to handle both. Fact of the matter is, if you don't know how to handle these two days in your life, listen, after all the years my wife and I have been pastors, we've met a lot of people. Not throwing stones. And I can honestly tell you that 75% of the counseling, if you will, that we get engaged in, if not more, are because people don't know how to handle these two days. The first day is tomorrow. We don't know how to handle tomorrow. Matthew 6 and 25, it says this way. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus speaking to us, he says, Therefore I say to you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying can add one cubit to his stature. So why do you worry about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, they neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all of these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If you don't know how to handle tomorrow, you will live your life in frustration and fear. You will walk about your life worried about what, what is going to happen tomorrow. What, what does this letter mean? What, what am I going to say to this person? How, how am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to handle this situation? And, and you will spend all of your life worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. And it's frustrating because you're stuck in today. And yet you're worrying about tomorrow. How am I going to solve this problem? How is this going to be taken care of? Where's the money going to come from for this? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And it's a temptation the enemy brings us all the time. I know all too well. Sometimes it's just too easy, isn't it, to, to worry about tomorrow. For those that feel like they need to control their life, then worry about the what if. Corey Ten Boom, survivor of a concentration camp in Germany, she said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its problems. It empties today of its strength. Jesus said, which one of you can worry to the point you can even grow just one cubit. Just... <clears throat> that buds. There is not one of us in this room that they can pile up enough worry that will change anything about tomorrow. In fact, the truth of the matter is worry and fear are creative. In Job chapter number 3, verse 25, it says this. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. You've been around here, you know this verse. Fear is creative, just like faith is creative. Faith is what? It's the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. What's fear? Fear is the substance of things afraid of. The evidence of things not seen. Fear is creative. And what Job was doing was when he he made this statement after all of these tragedies that hit his life. And it's a very precise and pointed statement. 
Job didn't say, I was afraid something bad was going to happen. He said, I was afraid exactly this. You remember what happened to Job? Tragedy hit his sons and his daughter's houses, and they they were killed, and their their homes destroyed. And, And Job said, I was afraid that specifically was going to happen. And put it in other terms, Job wasn't saying, I was afraid I was going to get sick. Job was saying, I was afraid I was going to get prostate cancer, and he got prostate cancer. Because so you see, Job was driven by this fear so that every day he would get up and he would offer sacrifices to God for his home. But then he would turn and offer sacrifices for his sons and his daughter's homes and his daughter-in-laws. And the problem is that God never told him to do that. He wasn't doing that because God said, sacrifice for your sons and daughters. He was doing that because he was afraid the tragedy would hit their life. And he thought by doing this, he was going to prevent the tragedy. And in reality, if you understand spiritual things, he caused the tragedy to happen. He released it. Like the release of your faith causes something good to happen, the release of your fear can cause something bad to happen. Jesus tells it this way, dude, I got tomorrow. I've got it. It's okay. I'll take care of matters. The enemy says, you better worry about this. You can't trust him. You can't trust him. Mark Twain said it this way, I'm an old man and I have known great many troubles. Most of them never happened. How many times have we worried about something? Anybody in here ever worried about something that was going to happen and never happened? Put up your hand for a moment. We've all done that. Years ago, we, we had moved. I'm, I'm, I like to pay our bills online. You know, we just use online bill pay. And, and, and we'd had the same insurance company, I'm guessing, for 35 years, maybe 30 years. And we paid our insurance bill on our car every year. It was just automatically deducted out of our checking account. One year we moved from Tennessee up here to, here to Ohio. And I left that checking account open with some money in it just in case there was something out there that I had written a check and never cleared or there was something and, and I got all the automatic withdrawals switched over. But one of them I forgot to switch over and that was my car insurance. It only came around once a year. And so just a few weeks after we moved, the insurance company, uh, it's about a month and a half after we moved, the insurance company went into that checking account and took out the next year's premium for our car insurance. And no problem. I waited three or four months and I shut down the, the account and drained out what money was left and went out of my life. And a couple of years later, I, I get a letter from the state of Ohio that simply said, you need to show proof that you had auto insurance on September 19th. No problem. I went digging through and come to find out my policy had actually lapsed nine months earlier. My insurance company hid once again when the annual time came around. They went into that old checking account to try to take the money out. It wasn't there. They sent me a letter telling me, hey, we had a problem with your account. But the forwarding order, had, it had been more than a year since we moved, the forwarding order had expired, and 
I never got the letter. I'm stuck. Not a good time. I thought this is no problem. It actually happened, you know, in early September. And they told me that if I didn't have show proof of insurance by the 3rd of February, then I had to give up my license for a year. And I had to get high-risk insurance for five years. And so I, I, just, I just did what, what us men of faith do. We worried. How do I, I do, how do I do that? I mean, I go all the time. How do I do that? I have to... I'm not going to break the law, but how do I get my wife to drive me everywhere i got to go, all hours of the day or night? And I waited until about this time of the year, and I, I, I called down to the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, and I explained to them what happened. Showed them that I immediately have got insurance, even to talk to my agent. They'd be glad to talk to the state of Ohio and let them know I've had insurance for 30 years. No deal. Did you have it on the September 19th, or didn't you? Technically, I didn't. Nothing you can do about it. So I waited a couple of weeks and I prayed and I wrote a letter to the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. I timed it so that it would get there two or three days before they go on Christmas break. Because, you know, you and I both know there's just somebody down there that all they got to do is click a button and the problem goes away. And I'm thinking I'm going to get them in a Christmas mood and I, I send the letter, you know, wishing them a Merry Christmas and I love you. You know, and those sort of things. And I did everything I knew to do to, to get them to just click the button. Everything's okay. I got a letter back that basically says, go pound salt. So I called them again and in early January, and my days are running out. And I said, listen, I, I get a lady on the phone, I go through the whole thing, and she said, listen, sir, I understand. I know how frustrating this must be to you, and I believe every word you're saying but there's nothing I can do for you. I get off the phone and I'm like, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden it hit me. You know, I had never prayed about this. I'd worried about it. I'd never really just taken this to God because, you know, he does other things, but he doesn't handle licenses. But I'm out of avenues now. And so I, I go to him in prayer about this. And, 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 and I asked my wife to pray, and we, we prayed for a couple of days, and, and then I just felt a release on my spirit. And so, I wonder what that means. And so, I just called down there again. And I, I explained to the lady again on the phone, a different lady, about what happened. And, and she gets, I get done, and she said, Sir, there's nothing I can do for you. You just, you either have to show you had a proof of insurance, or you need to give up your license. And she goes, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. What's the date on your letter? And I said, it's September 19th. And this is exactly what she said. Somebody is looking out for you. I said, what do you mean? She said, do you have insurance now? I said, yeah. I, I had it, you know, the next day after I got the letter, I reinstated the policy. And she goes, tear up the letter, throw it away. It didn't happen. I said, what do you mean? And she said, by law... The state of Ohio is only allowed to send out 500 of those letters a day. She said, on that date, we had something go wrong with the computer. It actually sent out 1,000 letters. And she said, and so, I'm just going to make you one of the 501st letter that went out that we shouldn't have sent out. And so, just, just it never happened. It, 
Even as I speak, as we speak, I'm taken out of the system. This never happened. You never got the letter. You never got challenged. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, how often does that happen? And she said, I've been here 17 years. It's never happened before. Just on that one day. Tell me God didn't do something. Amen. I like it. But we worry about things about tomorrow. And, 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 and if you're not careful, you will just be frustrated about what does tomorrow hold for me? What is the doctor going to say? What is the lawyer going to say? What am I going to do about this problem? And yet worrying about it right now does nothing for the problem. It doesn't fix it. doesn't change it. What it does is it ruins this moment. It ruins the moment that you're living in. The Bible calls those who live in tomorrow fools. Look what the Bible says. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful, or plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and, and there I will store all of my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease and eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We're not promised tomorrow. You see, it isn't just worrying about tomorrow. It's living in tomorrow. It's that tomorrow, I'm, I'm living for tomorrow instead of living in today. A number of years ago, my wife and I were driving uh, somewhere in the southwest part of this state, and we were just driving around and coming back from somewhere. I don't remember what it was, but we drive by this one storage unit, so you know, where people can rent a store, too much stuff they have. And, and, and out front of that storage unit was the most gaudy, big motorhome we've ever seen. Just as a joke. I said, let's, let's go look at that. Maybe I'll buy it. And so we, we got out and went through it, and it just had every toy you can imagine. It was fun just walking through the thing. I mean, it had oak cabinets handmade by the Amish, you know, and it had TVs here and TVs. It, it just had everything you can think of. And, and I looked at the odometer, and even though this thing was 11 years old, it only had 3,800 miles on it. And... Eventually, somebody came out from the, the rental office, and, and I asked him about the motorhome. There was still the sticker on the window, and I don't remember exactly. It seemed like the sticker said, originally, now we're going back into the 80s, the, that the motorhome sold for $178,000. It was now up for sale for 50000 bucks. And I asked the guy who was selling it, I said, what's the story on this? He said, it's a tragic story. It's an elderly lady that owns it. He said she, her, her husband bought it. They were going to travel the United States in this motorhome. In fact, as she tells the story, she was always complaining to him about working too many hours. 
And his response was, you won't complain when, when I retire and we have money to spend and we go do what we want. He was living in tomorrow. He just kept more work and more and holding out, dangling the carrot, saying one day we're going to have time together. One day we'll go do this stuff. And one day, you know, it's always tomorrow. And he finally came to the time he did retire and he started to honor his word. He went out and spent an ungodly amount of money on a motorhome and they got in it and they took one trip to Seattle, Washington and he died. And this guy says, and she had the motorhome brought back here. And he says, for the last 10 years, it's been kept in inside storage. And for years, I've been trying to get her to sell it, and she just couldn't part with it because the moment she parts with it, everything's gone now. Her whole life of waiting for that dream is now gone. He said, it was only just this year that she finally agreed to let me sell it for her. He said, so here it sits. I'm not just selling her motorhome, I'm selling her her life. You live in tomorrow about, you know, uh, you, you, the enemy would have you to think that your role is to endure today so that you can enjoy tomorrow. But you see, he's a thief. The Bible says he comes to steal. And the reality is, He can't steal your tomorrow because that's in the hands of God. He can only steal your today. And so he steals your today by promising you what he can't give you tomorrow. The second day that grew in your life is yesterday. Paul put it this way in Philippians 3.13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting. He he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to draw a line. And if it's behind me, I'm going to forget about it. The enemy would tell you that what we need to do is go back and fix it. We need to dwell on it. We need to hold them accountable. We need to make them pay. Anybody know what I'm talking about? While we're living in this moment, he'll keep pointing back to there. And and he'll try to convince us that the reason life is miserable today is because of what happened yesterday. But let me tell you something. Somebody who has known misery, I can tell you that the misery of yesterday is not the reason why we're miserable today. The reason we're miserable today is because we wouldn't forget. Because we can't go back and change it. It happened. To some, this sounds cold and hard, but it's a reality. It happened. I'm sorry it happened, but it happened. You didn't deserve it, but it happened. It's not right, but it happened. It shouldn't have gone that way, but it happened. And as long as you spend your life looking back at that, 
then you ruin today. And why that's important is guess what? God didn't make yesterday and he is in charge of tomorrow. But this day right here is the day that God has made. Right now. I can just I can just hear the spirit of God crying out to us right now. Live today. I gave you today. He is a now God, now faith. Now faith. Right now faith is a substance. Not a was faith or a will be faith, but a now faith. He lives in the right now. He's not the great I was, and he's not the great I will be. He told Moses, I am the great I am. God is resident in today. And, 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 and when you get this verse, this was not simply a statement of the will of David. This was also a statement of the will of God. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You see, he promises that if you will live your day in today, there will be rejoicing and gladness. But if you live your life in yesterday, or you live your life in tomorrow, then you're going to be miserable. But if you learn to live your life today, eventually, today becomes yesterday. And God has given us ability to only see so far for a reason. And when you live your life today, and you enjoy God today, and you enjoy His goodness today, then it becomes your yesterday, and your yesterday of yesterday, and your yesterday of your yesterday of your yesterday. And pretty soon, you're looking in your past, and you start to see a trail of the goodness of God in your life. We want God to make us God by telling us everything that He's going to do. One headline you will never see. Psychic wins the lottery because they have no idea. You know, you see these advertising in the newspaper sometimes. A psychic will tell you how to win the lottery. I want to tell you something. I'm a giving person. But if I can figure out how to win the lottery, I ain't selling it to you for $9.95. It's that simple. I'm going to be going down there and buying my tickets every week. I ain't got time to help you people out. If they knew how to win the lottery, they wouldn't have an ad this big in the newspaper selling it to you for $9.95. Come on, people. Let's not be stupid about this. They don't know how to win the lottery because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And the enemy is always trying to tell us what's going to happen tomorrow. The reality is we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. My wife and I have plastered almost 30 years. I want to tell you, we've seen services where people have left service and, and just their heart is full and they didn't live to come back to the next service. And we've seen people struggling and, and working their way through life not knowing that tomorrow everything was going to be different. We don't know what tomorrow holds you can't change tomorrow. What you can do is live in the right now. Live in the right now. 
Someday I'll, I'll, I'll worship God. No, you won't. I've learned this in leading people to the Lord. Anybody tells me, I'm going to give my life to God someday. I tell them, no, you won't. I've never seen anybody who said that ever give their heart to God. You won't. You're not promised tomorrow. When the days of being named All-Ohio football player in high school, middle linebacker at Plain City, Ohio, he lay down in his room and he died with a burst heart. 17 years old. Never saw that coming. We don't know. We don't know. None of us knows. None of us know what tomorrow holds. I can tell you what right now is. Right now is an opportunity to live. To live. I can't step over that line into yesterday. You see, the moment, the moment we engage that, you remember what got the enemy in trouble in the, in the garden? He wanted to be like God. And he tempted Eve with wanting to be like God. Because you want to know why you can't eat that, Eve? Because God knows when you eat it, you become like him. The enemy wants you and I to be like God. And to to be concerned about yesterday and to be concerned about tomorrow. But God has chosen to confine us to the right now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. You and I are not. You and I are stuck in right now. And so we're to live our life in the right now. What does that mean? If you're ever going to worship God, you've got to do it today. If you're ever going to tell that person you love how much you love them. I've done enough funerals. I've been to enough funerals to see all the guilt flowers. It'd be great if we went to a funeral and there were no flowers. Because we already spent all the money on them. We already told them how much they were loved. They don't see the flowers. They're not honored by the flowers. They don't care about the flowers. Give me a Presbyterian one of these, if nothing else. Amen? They ought to go to the grave knowing... If you don't tell them today how much you love them, you may never get another chance. If you don't start giving to God today, you may never have another chance. If you don't start forgiving others today, you may never have another chance. Whatever God has put in your heart to do, if you're saving to do it tomorrow, you'll never do it. Why don't you right now, right now, why don't you determine you're going to forgive them? This isn't about right or wrong. Like the guy in the video, that video isn't done by a Christian organization. Soul Pancake is a scientific organization. But they found that it's true. You forgive, life is better. Why don't you right now? You know one of the easiest ways to forgive somebody? Can, can I just throw this out one of the easiest ways to forgive somebody is just determined to do it, right? If you wait till you have the feelings to forgive, you may never get there. Everything we do as Christians is to be done by faith, not feelings. If John hurts me or robs from me or steals from me or lies about me, he can still be a thief and a liar, but I can forgive him. He's still a rotten rat. 
I don't need him to be a good rat. I just need to choose to forgive. So do this. Whoever you're holding a grudge at, today, right now, don't, don't lay your head down at night. Angry at anybody. The Bible says this. Don't ever go to bed mad. Don't let the sun set on your anger or your wrath. Why? You're not promised tomorrow. Some old timer said, you may wake up dead. <laughs> Still not for sure how that works out, but you get the point. You may wake up dead tomorrow. I heard a lady one time on a an elderly lady I was in with a senior group, and, and she says, uh, you know why I, I read the obituaries every morning before I get out of bed? No, why? She goes, to see if my name's in there. Because if my name's in there, that means somebody else dresses me today. I'm just going to wait. <laughs> I guess if that makes it float for you, I don't know. Where was I going with that, John? Don't let me get off on these trails, folks. Just go like this. Point. Go, go back. Go back. You're not promised tomorrow. If that person in your life that you love doesn't know you love them, you need to tell them today. And you need to forgive somebody today. They're not worth it. They're just not worth it. You holding a grudge does not fix what they did. It makes it longer and worse. So just forgive them. You got got no choice. You're stuck in today. This today, at 12.01 tonight, will become yesterday. And if you want a better trail of yesterdays, then fix today. Call them up on the phone, tell them you forgive them. You can't do that, just forgive them. Uh, you know, there are some people, just, they're just hard to forgive. Because even while you're trying to tell them you forgive them, they're trying to tell you why it was your fault. Let me know what I'm talking about. So you don't even have to have the conversation with them. Just tell them, I, just, 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 just decide right now, I forgive you. And then when you see them, act like nothing's wrong. It'll drive them nuts. Just honestly, just, just by faith. Everything we're supposed to do is by faith. That means you can't seal it, you don't feel it initially. Our feelings will follow our faith. So just determine in your heart, I, I forgive you. You're still a rat. You're still wrong. I just forgive you. And it kind of blows them away. Because there's been that wall, and they can feel it. You know what I'm talking about. There's been that wall between you and them. It's called a prison cell. That you're both in together. The Bible says this, whatever sins you retain, they're retained. Whatever sins you release or remit, they're released. So since you're both locked in the prison cell together, and you don't need their help to get out, just forgive them. Just forgive them. Just determine right now. It'll never be right. It'll never. It was wrong. It's 
I just, I just determined to forgive them. I don't need them to say I'm sorry. I just determined to forgive them. And then when you see them, you just love on them. Hey, John, good to see you, man. I've been thinking about you. I love you, man. And you know what he's thinking? How'd they get out? <laughs> they were in this cell with me the last time I saw them. How'd they get out? There are some people who never live their life. Their whole life is spent in tomorrow. Just hold on, baby. We'll get that motor home and we'll cruise the country tomorrow. They ruin today by living in tomorrow. They ruin today by living in the past. You and I are not God. We are stuck in the now. And we only have right now. Stand your feet. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.